You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the breakfast show. You are listening to myself, Tukir uh, Amitanweer, here on the Voice of Islam studio, um, and uh, we have a great pack show for our listeners this morning. Um, as you know, the agenda of the show, we like to go through some of the main news, which is happening around the world, um, and also with regards to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And uh, after that, we go into some of our main topics. And uh, this morning, um, we'll, two of our main topics that we will be discussing is uh, that Prince William sees homelessness help for young workers. Uh, this is a very important topic, and uh, we'll be looking at that. And uh, our second segment will be looking at uh, diet coaches for two years old as numbers of obese uh, children nearly uh, troubles in a in a decade. So this again is a very pressing issue um, and uh, an issue which definitely does need to be addressed. Um, and uh, as you know the agenda of the show um, we like to go through some of the news which is happening around the world and as well as uh, what's happening within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And uh, I'll start off the news. Uh, one of the main headlines on uh, BBC is the looting, fires and violence in France as uh, 667 people have been arrested. So a little gist of the story is that um, 667 people um, are arrested as clashes between the police and uh, protesters in France continue uh, for a third night. And in in Paris, shops are ransacked and cars set on fire despite a heavy police presence. Uh, 40,000 police officers were deployed across France and the violence began on Tuesday after police shot a 17-year-old Algerian and Moroccan descent um, boy named Nahil M as he drove away from a traffic stop and the officer who shot Nahil has apologized to the family and he has been charged with the voluntary uh, homicide and his lawyers say he is devastated. Uh, Nahil's mother earlier said that she didn't blame the whole police force just as the police who fired the lethal shot. Uh, he was he saw the face of an Arab of a little kid and he wanted to take his life, she said. And the teen's death has revived grievances about policing and racial profiling in France's subserbs a very pressing issue, um an, an issue which does definitely needs to be addressed. And you know, here in the Voice of Islam students we have uh covered many a times uh, even, you know, some of the shootings which have taken place um, even uh, in parts of um, USA. You know, we do like to come on some of these news as well. And uh, just reading the article itself, you know, um, where it highlights um, the police officer who, who did shoot, shoot the boy. Um, and uh, this itself, you know, um, Islam itself, when it comes to killing itself uh, and Islam itself says that killing of one life is as if 
killing the whole of mankind and uh, saving one life is as if uh, you have saved the whole of mankind so in terms of the essence of or the sanctity of life islam plays a huge role that you know um that you know you should look after one another and uh, you know as i mentioned in the verse that islam even says that if you were to say one life is as if you have saved the whole of mankind um and uh, you know it will definitely hopefully will be covering this uh, story maybe later during um the week's time as well um another um particular item of discussion is that uh, over 30s i australia gap year as uh, age limit raised so this uh, story is that millions uh, more brits can now live and work in australia after the age limit for working holiday visas went up to 35 so the age limit has been extended from 30 uh, for all british citizen making 16 million more people eligible to apply and the popular with backpack tourist the changes are a key part of the free trade agreement struck between the two countries last year and it will also be easier for australians to work and travel in the uk and it follows an agreement between new zealand and the uk to expand working holiday visas up to 35 year olds and the scheme uh, will allow brits to work and live in australia for up to 3 years with various restrictions on the type of work <clears throat> that uh, visitors are allowed to do to to do lifted by 2024 and a rule backing more than a decade british um working holiday makers had to commit to 88 days of agricultural work if they wanted to stay in australia for every additional year they would like to stay on and these rules are now being eased allowing visitors to work more freely across industries the the three um the three allowance does not have to be consecutive and can be taken at any uh, any time up until the age of 35 so sally cope uh, from the uk regional uh, general manager for tourism australia she said that Uh, there have been lots of interest for foreign travelers uh, recently in the big sporting events coming up in australia over the next few years and it was exciting exciting time and these big sport events like fifa women's football world cup and olympics in brisbane in 2022 offer the temporary contract type work that young visitors want and according to tourism australia there are around 35,000 arrivals from the UK on working holiday visas each year and uh, many stay on. Uh, so restrictions are also easing for Australians who from July this year will be able to apply for UK working holiday visas up to the age of 35 instead of 30. Um and stay for 3 years instead of 2. And Australia is a popular destination for young people among Europeans and aside from the lifestyle attractions wages are slightly higher than many European countries and uh, it says that Australia's minimum wage is currently 21.38 dollars which is about 11 pounds 22 with UK's minimum wage standing at 
10 pounds 42 for those aged 23 years old um so that is also another headlines from bbc news um another uh, in terms of if we look at sports um we know the ashes are taking place as well and uh, you know there's the second day of the uh, second ashes test at lords um and uh, it says that after australia were bowled out for 416 before lunch uh, helped by Steve Smith's 110, England ended the day on uh, 277 for four, with Ben uh, Ben Dunkett falling just shy of a of a century on 98. And England have already more control in the day, but fell from 188 to two to two 222 for four in the evening season. And uh, England's opener, Dunkett, said that he was frustrated after missing out on a second century at Lord's is in many matches uh, and his first in an Ashes series. And it was the manner of his dismissal for 98, taking on uh, the short ball, which uh, which some questioned. However, Dunkett in uh, is averaging uh, 53.58, the highest any England opener has uh, to have played 10 or more tests since Dennis Emmis, who, who averaged 53.7 between 1972 to 1977. So, yeah, that's, that's just some of the uh, news which is happening Um which is happening uh, mostly here in the UK. Some of the news which I've which I've just read, and also around the world. Um, in terms of the news, um, in terms of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, as you know, we do like to go through some of the virtual meetings His Holiness has with the Ahmadiyya Muslim community around the world, and uh, they get a chance to ask His Holiness questions on various topics and. This itself is uh, very faith-inspiring for the community, as well as um, you know, His Holiness addresses various uh, questions and various discussions. And uh, just recently, His Holiness um, he had the uh, virtual meeting with the members of the Amdia Muslim Community from Japan, um, and uh, after conveying uh, his salam, um, His Holiness asked. It asked the members um, he asked the president and missionary in charge of Japan um, if all the members were present and further he mentioned the presence of missionaries as well and following this in his holiness he led a silent prayer after which members had a chance to introduce themselves so uh, one report by Adnan Arshad who was who the general secretary and also the Wakfino secretary um, and you know, as as I've mentioned to the listeners as well, that Vakfino uh, um, itself, um, this is a um, department within the Amdi Muslim community, where children, where parents devote their children to the to the community. Uh, this scheme itself was initiated in 1987 by the fourth Caliph, Hazrat Tahir Ahmed, may Allah the Almighty have mercy on him, and. Uh, you know now those those children you know they've 
specialized they've they've become teachers doctors missionaries and now they're serving in various fields um so that itself um you know there's many members of uh, who are in the wakfino scheme and i remember just last year his holiness he announced that this number rose to 78000 by the grace of allah the almighty so his holiness he asked the secretary wakfino um and he reported that there were two uh two communities here in japan one in tokyo and nagoya and his holiness inquired about the total number of the md's in these two um in these two communities to which he responded that there were about 230 um and uh, his holiness his holiness also spoke with ismatullah ismatullah who said that he is currently serving as the uh, secretary for outreach and his holiness required about how many um you know what, what was the target of uh, of beds of uh, how many people have accepted uh, islam and how much they have set for this year is and uh, ismatullah he replied to that that uh, their target for the year is 10 and they have successfully achieved uh, one so far and his holiness then asked about the background of individuals who have pledged the the bed to which ismatullah uh, he explained that the person is of japanese descent and approximately 50 years old and married to an indonesian ahmadi woman um and further he gave the report that they had published some new leaflets distributed 29000 leaflets across various areas and also distributed copies of the holy quran um and his holiness he here explained generally people in big cities tend to prioritize worldly matters and really focus on having a relationship with god and his holiness um then added that there are some individuals amongst the japanese population who express their inability to adhere to the five daily prayers and the commandment to abstain from drinking and in his holiness emphasized that prioritizing preaching efforts in places where people um are more inclined towards religion and less focused on worldly matters would likely result in greater success and uh, his holiness said that japan is considerably vast country uh, seek out the areas where your efforts can be most effective uh, where there is some inclination uh, towards religion and some fear of god then preach to them as for the major cities and dare to clear up the misconceptions about the about islam that exist there and his holiness he further emphasized the importance of of uh, a consistent presence in the locations where they engaged in their preaching activity and he said that rather than visiting a place once and not going there again his holiness suggested that they make frequent visits and uh, furthermore he he his holiness added that due to the fact that there are a few in number they should make a plan on how they can best utilize the few people uh, they have for for preaching and uh, he added that it is essential to generate enthusiasm passion in in the members for preaching and he said that this is also a duty of of the uh, of the tarbiyat department of the uh, 
for the looking after the moral training of members of the community that it is also their responsibility to encourage them to make a coordinated plan and furthermore his holiness added that the most crucial point is fostering of harmony and love in an atmosphere of trust amongst yourself and he added that members the members of the of the community and the administration should have trust in each other and the community members should trust the administrative team and then the administrative team uh, should uh, reciprocate that trust towards the community and all kinds of complaints grievances and grudges should be resolved and as oliness added that stand united success inevitably comes when you stand firm and united as a cemented wall and without this unity success is not achievable so a very uh, beautiful uh, point is oliness mentioned and uh, you know i myself um, as a, as an imam of the ahmadiyya muslim community this is something which is uh, very important to me that we do uh, go out and we do uh, spread the true message message of islam um and personally you know within within uh, within where i live uh, i go out with some members of the ahmadiyya muslim some youth and we do distribute these flyers and we've definitely had uh, positive effect from people you know when they when we do tell them that come and visit our mosque the you know the the Bethel Fatou here the house of victories the complex itself and many many do ask us the question uh, well we're not we're not muslim are we still allowed in the, in the mosque and and you know the, these are some misconception which do need to be resolved and that's why i say that it's very important for for really all of us um as muslims to really um go out there and uh, introduce ourselves to our non-muslim members and you know just welcome them into our mosque um regarding that question you know that uh, sometimes people say that oh are we allowed to the mosque i mean there's a very famous narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him that a delegation from Najran a Christian delegation came to meet the holy prophet peace be upon him and uh, they were in, during their meeting with the holy prophet peace be upon him they ke- became a little agitated they became a little worried and uh, the holy prophet peace be upon him inquired as to what the matter was and uh, they said that it's their time for prayer and uh, because there wasn't any church nearby uh, they they couldn't offer their prayers and to this the holy prophet peace be upon him very graciously uh gave his own mosque and he said that you should use the mosque and you should go pray there so from this example it is very clear that the a mosque the house the you know the mosque is open for everyone um to to come there um you know to pray to uh god almighty um and uh, it, it, this something which you know sh- we should tell our brothers and sisters and um because you know that at this time that we're living in there are misconceptions and and they do need to be removed and, and you know the best way is that uh, you should you should uh, go out yourself and well get your friends to come into the mosque and just really get get rid of that misconception um so yeah that was uh, a little a little uh, snippet of the 
meeting His Holiness had with the Amdiya, uh, with the Amdiya Muslim community in Japan. Uh, to read more on this, you can go on the website on alhakam.org. Um, and if you do want to get in touch with us, if you do want to give us a call here in the studio, Voice of Islam, the number to call is 0208687787. Uh, and you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK. So we're just going to be going to a short break, and after the short break, we'll be coming back and uh, covering our first topic. So don't go anywhere. Thank you. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. People are asking, who is the gracious God? Gracious God is He who has created the sun and the moon for our benefit. The sun with which human life and the life of vegetation is associated. Through the attribute of Rahman, God grants without being asked. Can one say that the sun or the earth was created on account of one's deeds? Rahman is a being that grants beneficence of the kind that man does not have the capacity of giving. It is by virtue of being gracious that all creation receives God's universally prevalent beneficence. Prophets of God summon people to the gracious God for people's own good and not for any recompense. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was the perfect manifestation of Rahman because his beneficence is incomparable. Being the perfect man, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had this quality in him more than anyone else, and an ordinary person too should aspire to the paradigm, deriving luminosity from the sun of 1400 years ago. In this age, the promised Messiah, on whom be peace, has further spread the light, the light of the promised Messiah, 
on whom be peace is from that same gracious God. The quality of Rahmaniyat is pure favor and munificence and is not caused by any good act and is not the fruit or reward of anything. Despite humanity rejecting God, His Rahmaniyat remains overwhelming. If it were not for this divine quality, majority of humanity would have been destroyed because of its misdemeanors and sins. Despite rejecting God, people are asking, who is the gracious God? Persecuted for your beliefs, jailed for your faith, and exiled from your homeland, but you refuse to turn to bitterness or vengeance. Instead, His Holiness has emerged as a leader of wisdom and compassion, a champion of nonviolence among nations. No society can truly succeed unless it guarantees the rights of all of its peoples, including religious minorities. Whether they're Ahmadiyya, Muslims in Pakistan, or Baha'i in Iran, or Coptic Christians in Egypt. I would like very much to confirm my support for the work that His Holiness and the Ahmadi Muslim community are doing, particularly in London. Even I didn't know when I was elected, then my name even will be proposed. The election is the same as the Pope is elected, but without smoke. I know you are a regular uh, visitor and speaker to parliaments and assemblies around the world, whether it's the US Congress or the, or the European Parliament. Let it be clear that I am not speaking in support or favor of any particular individual country. What I wish to say is that all forms of cruelty, wherever they exist, must be eradicated and stopped, regardless of whether they are perpetrated by the people of Palestine, the people of Israel, or the people of any other country. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. I'm very glad that our movement Yours will do something to correct this image. Islam means peace. I should thank Your Holiness for your highly enlightened sermon, not only uh, for the Ahmadis, but I would say for all mankind. Love for all and hatred for none. And this message not only for Muslims, but for everybody. You are a man. Though of humble beginnings, your leadership has made you a figure of global prominence, and you have become a guide for millions of Muslims worldwide. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you and welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, Tukiram, and then also uh, Brother Khalid Banu here in the studio, Voice of Islam. And uh, we're just going into our main segment. We're looking at Prince William. He sees homelessness uh, help for young workers. Uh, but on this topic, or if you do want to give us a call, uh, you can certainly do so by calling us on 0208-687-7878. Or you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK. And remember to if you know if the if you have if you want to read up uh, on more information, you can go on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk, and there you'll find. All our shows, uh, our breakfast show, drive time show, um, all our different shows are available on the website, so do benefit from that. So, the Prince of Wales, he has opened a homelessness charity project for young people in in work or apprenticeship who need help finding affordable housing. And Centrepoint says the project opened by Prince William bringing 33 new mini flats to Peckham, South London, is a response to the housing crisis. So the homes are constructed in in Hull and transported to London by lorry, and uh, the residents will pay different amounts based on income, with rent capped at a third of each tenant's pay, and uh, solar panels will be cut, uh, will cut heating bills to £200 per year. And without stable accommodation, it could be impossible for young people to keep their jobs or to stay in training. And the homelessness charity says, so the figures published earlier this year showed that an average, that an average UK, um, 11% annual increase in private rents, with some areas seeing 20%. And uh, the project provides independent living and centre points. Sally. Um, Orlop, uh, she says that giving young people their own front door and a stepping stone for those struggling to rent or buy or and who might have been struck in temporary accommodation and it also helps those facing other barriers such as landlords wanting a, a pre- previous track record of, of paying rent and uh, she says that it's not just in London it's getting more and more difficult for young people um, and even so-called affordable properties is often too expensive for many with the charity estimating that there are 129,000 homeless young people across the UK uh, a staggering amount and uh, Prince William uh, patron of Centrepoint he met some of those moving into the low-cost housing units uh, said uh, Ruben um, Ruben House on his visit to Peckham and uh, they have been working more than 30 hours per week and earning no more than £32,000 a year and the first residents have jobs in construction, information technology, social services and hairdressing and uh, Miss uh, Orlop she further says that this is a real mix of young people and with the project challenging stereotypes about those who who might be at risk of becoming homeless. So the project highlights the issue of work 
not necessarily protecting people from poverty with the uh, Trussell Trust charity reporting that about one out of every five people using their food banks is from a working household and there are many uh, negative stereotypes associated with homelessness uh, that are at odd with the evidence and the Center for Homelessness Impact Chief Executive Dr. Um, Ligia, she says she says that the research group says that almost a quarter of household at risk of homelessness who asked local authorities for help, including someone working. And she says that uh, she welcomes Prince William's visit as a way of shifting attitudes on homelessness. And she says that he could use compassion, empathy and evidence to challenge stereotypes and prejudice and fundamentally change how homelessness is perceived and in the same way that is late that his late mother Diana helped to shed the stigma associated with HIV um, and AIDS in 1980s she says so the prince has made homelessness one of his big big causes and also working with charities such as the passage and the big issue magazine uh, so it's it's a wonderful initiative um and uh, you know just as the report says that uh, there are 129,000 um young young people you know who are homeless across the UK uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, great number and uh, definitely uh, a lot more needs to be done with this you know sometimes um young young uh, people young adults you know they might be facing something maybe within the household they're not getting along with their parents or something there could be different issues uh, which has led them to become homelessness so um you know it, it is definitely a, a pressing issue um and uh, you know humanity first itself uh, which is a charity organization um um and you know, this is a charity organization within the Amdi Muslim community, and uh, one of their initiative also is food banks and uh, feeding the poor as well. And uh, you know, the the Humanity First itself is uh, plays a key role um, in uh, looking after uh, homelessness as well and feeding them as well. Uh, and uh, you know, this is something that they quite often do and uh, looking at the teachings of Islam um, you know the the Holy Quran it states in chapter 3 verse 111 that uh, in the name of Allah the gracious the best that you are the best people ever raised for the good of mankind because you have been raised to serve others and you enjoin what is good and forbid what is what forbid evil and believe in Allah so the fundamental qualities that we must all acquire to serve mankind or develop a compassion to serve mankind are love for humanity, kindness in our hearts for others, a charitable uh, dispos- disposition, uh, humility, honesty, a thirst of knowledge, a desire to share knowledge with others and a constant desire to strive in the cause of Allah by doing good and we must be uh, a people from whom goodness flows towards others and the teachings of the Holy Quran and the example of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him directs us 
on how best to serve mankind and the Holy Prophet. He practiced the teachings of, of the Holy Quran to the fullest extent and is the best example of true representation of service to mankind. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, regarding the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, says in the Holy Quran, and then we have sent thee, uh, not but as a blessing, as a mercy for the entire universe, for all people. And also in chapter 33, verse 22, it is stated that verily you you have in the Prophet of Allah an excellent model. And uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he emphasized love, sympathy and kindness towards all. And uh, he also emphasized that we must show each other appreciation. And he said that one who is not grateful to mankind is not grateful to Allah the Almighty. And the Holy Prophet, peace be, uh, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, he also had a great compassion for mankind. And he said at one place that sympathy for all of mankind is a moral obligation and a duty. And that religion is no religion which, which does not inculcate sympathy. And nor does that man deserve to be called a man who does not have sympathy in, in him. And the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he also said that the teachings of the Holy Quran can be divided into two major categories. The first being unity of, of God and love and obedience to him. And the second is to treat kindly your brothers and fellow beings and be kind and merciful to humanity and always work for the good of mankind. So a very, uh, some very good quotes here. And it highlights itself that as Muslims, um, you know, we one of our you know one of our main fundamentals as explained by the promised messiah peace be upon him the main some of the main two main fundamentals of sharia is that you should give due rights towards allah the almighty that means you know focusing towards your prayers towards remembering allah the almighty but also towards hakukulibad that serving one another and this itself is plays a huge role um and you know if we look at the teaching of the holy prophet peace be upon him at countless places he's highlighted that you should help your neighbors um you know you should it says that if you are cooking a dish and uh, in this saying the holy prophet peace be upon him says that if you are cooking the dish broth um a particular arab dish and he says that put more water in it just so you could give it to your neighbor and it should be understood the interpretation of a neighbor is very vast uh, within within Islam. It doesn't mean just your immediate neighbor, but at times it means that even at the radius of 50 miles, they are all your neighbors. So wherever you can, Islam says that you should you should help um, help uh, your brothers who are in need. Um, and uh, you know, just as the promised Messiah peace be upon him, is well said that there is no religion which does not inculcate sympathy, um, and nor does a man deserve to be called a man who does not have sympathy in him. And beautiful message by the promised Messiah peace be upon him. And uh, also, uh, there's another verse of the Holy Quran which highlights that you know how we sh how what Islam says regarding. Um, poverty and looking after the vulnerable people um if we look at 
chapter 2 verse 84 of the holy quran allah the almighty instructs muslims to speak kindly at all times and to be considerate of the feelings of others and to love and protect vulnerable members of the society such as the orphans uh, orphan children or those living in poverty or destitution so it says in the verse in the name of allah the gracious the merciful and remember the time when we took the covenant from the children of israel that you shall not worship nothing but allah and show kindness to parents and to the kindred and orphans and the poor and speak to men kindly and observe prayer and pay zakat then you turn away in aversion except a few of you so here allah the almighty it very clearly says that you know you should worship allah the almighty you should also show kindness to your parents to your kindred orphans and to the poor and uh, it says also that you should pay zakat um and uh, muslims uh, they they this they, they pay a fixed amount of uh, i believe is 2.5% of of their pay um and that is also uh, helps the poor and the vulnerable um also if we look at another verse of the holy quran chapter 51 verse 40 verse 20 the holy quran it states that the hallmark of a true muslim is that he should care for all of god's cre- creation and should comfort and support those in need whether they seek their help or not hence it is not enough for a muslim to wait until someone asks for help rather it is the duty to recognize the suffering of the of others and to make whatever sacrifices are required in order to help them overcome their challenges or troubles uh, and uh, this is it says in this particular verse and in there in the name of allah the gracious the merciful and in their wealth was a share for one who asked for help and for one who could not so it very clearly islam says that you know you shouldn't just uh, look out for those who ask for help but rather islam says that you, it is your duty um as members of the society to actually see you know who who are those individuals who are vulnerable who are going through maybe a tough time if they are you know if they are homeless as necessary well. and islam says that it is your duty to help them as well rather islam says that in your wealth they too have a share um and uh, just yesterday as as you know as well that throughout the world uh, muslims they celebrated the eid al adha prayer the eid of sacrifice and uh, his holiness he gave a very powerful sermon on this as well um how you know it is our duty to on this particular day that when we do sacrifice um when we do sacrifice a goat or or an animal um we we should then distribute the meat to the poor people and uh, i remember listening to a question and answer session with obvious holiness and um he explained that uh, you know so, some people he said that some people they they write that you know instead of giving meat uh, to individuals you know why why can't we just maybe help them in some other way so zoliness uh, even yesterday he said that you know you should you should try to help them in other ways as well not just 
through through offering qurbani um and you know distributing the meat but also if you can you should also help them in in their clothes or in any other way but i remember particularly his holiness highlighted once that uh once they had distributed the the meat uh this meat in places of africa and one place when they visited the individuals who received the meat they said that we we haven't eaten meat for 3 4 years and that's remarkable you know there are individuals who haven't had meat for for years and uh you know it is a obligation of muslims that you know they should we should be helping the poor and the vulnerable so it is a great blessing in the eyes of god and uh, also the holy prophet peace be upon him he championed the rights of all people of all races and of all beliefs and he was a source of unparalleled mercy and grace for all of mankind from every pore and fiber of his being gushed forth an eternal spring of love and compassion for humanity for example one occasion the holy prophet peace be upon him he himself he says that i am with the weak because aiding the weak and the poor is a means of reaching allah reaching allah the almighty and the holy prophet of islam he taught that allah the almighty was most pleased by those who helped the poor and who filled their empty stomachs and who arranged medical treatment for them hence if if a person claims to be a true muslim it is his obligation and overriding duty to assist all those who are facing difficulties and to strive to elevate their distress and heartache um this reminds me of another narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him in which he explains that on the day of judgment there will be two groups which will stand before allah the almighty so the holy prophet peace be upon him he says that on the day of judgment there will be two groups of people which will stand before allah the almighty and addressing one group allah the almighty will say that you know he god almighty will say that he himself was on earth and he was hungry but addressing to that group of people that he was hungry and those individuals they did not quench his thirst and he was he was thirsty they did not quench his thirst and he was hungry and they did not give him food and upon this those individuals that are being addressed they would say that oh god when was it that on earth that you were hungry or you were thirsty and we did not help you there we did not provide for you there and allah the almighty in reply he would say that such and such individual of his or 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 you know a such and such individual of his a person was hungry or he was thirsty and had you fed them had you quenched their thirst it would have been as if you have fed me or you would have quenched my thirst so such a beautiful um narration where which highlights that to feed the vulnerable and the poor it's so pleasing in the eyes of allah the almighty that allah the almighty says that if you had fed them it would have been as if you had fed me and if you had quenched their thirst it would have been as if you have quenched my thirst and also another group on which would be addressed allah the almighty would addressing them he would say to them that he was hungry on earth and they had provided them food and he was thirsty on earth and they had given him water 
and uh, they had quenched his thirst and uh, those individuals that are being addressed that they would ask they would ask the holy allah the almighty that oh allah when was it on earth that you were hungry or you were thirsty and we provided for your food and we gave you water and allah the almighty in reply would uh, give them glad tidings that uh, on earth you know such and such person was hungry or they were thirsty and you had provided for them so in a nutshell islam it plays a crucial role in uh, uh, serving humanity and it says that you know uh, you should help the weak and the vulnerable i remember listening to um, one of the annu- the annual conventions and isorin has even highlighted that um, figures show that in the world that is actually the muslims around the world that give the most charity so this is an out of curiosity but in fact this is through the teachings of islam we see that uh, muslims do give charity um also uh, the P- promised messiah peace be upon him wanted to read out two quotes from his writings as well uh, and azam azulama he says at one place that my state is such that if someone is in distress while as i am engaged in the obligatory prayers and i hear their grief it is my ardent desire to break the prayer and try to help that person and shower them with as much love as possible and at another place the promised messiah peace be upon him he says that to fail to help a brother in their time of need or difficulty is utterly immoral and wrong so uh, you know may allah the almighty uh, enable us all that we truly understand these teachings and act upon them um so we're just going into going to be taking a little short break and uh, after that we'll be going into our news um and uh, we'll be back shortly after after this break so don't go anywhere we'll be back shortly after this you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed bismillah rahman rahim in the name of allah the most gracious ever merciful assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh may the peace and blessings of allah be upon you dear listeners welcome back to this morning's uh, breakfast show today friday the 30th of june the last day of june and um our brother um tukir was um elucidating about uh, the story earlier with regards to homelessness and uh, did such a beautiful presentation on that and um, towards the end you were mentioning about um the festival of sacrifices and you know if it was um it was such a beautiful uh, event for many muslims around the world yes you know yesterday and day before i think because of the time differences maybe some people are celebrating today by the by the grace of allah almighty you know um that i think one of the things that was really nice and which you highlighted was that the fact that a lot of charity work is done on the day and that we feed people uh, or homeless people rather or people that are in need people that are in dire straits and that's what's beautiful about uh, islam you know, it's it's, it's um, you know serving humanity and we're not just uh, people think you know islam is an archaic old religion it's a living religion you read the holy quran there's always things that are very pertinent to your daily needs and activities and um you know we are fortunate to be graced by the presence of uh, a caliph a, a leader a spiritual leader hazrat mr masur ahmad may allah be his helper who guides us on a weekly basis and as he will today friday uh, there'll be the friday sermon and he's always talking about how we should be you know he's always spreading the message of peace 
you know, no doubt, and, and, and how we should be helping other people. And again, like you were saying, Brother Toki, uh, His Holiness mentioned about the, uh, you know, the people that are in dire straits, you know, particularly yesterday in his um, Eid al-Adha uh, sermon, you know, in, and uh, this is the one, I think, one of the things that I'm so grateful to be, call myself, call myself an Muslim, that growing up, my parents, and I'm grateful to my parents as well, that they always brought me to the mosque that we always did these things where we go and visit people all around the, you know, the community regardless of who they were doesn't matter what faith but you went to help them and within the community we did a lot of um, you know, things together like DIY voluntary work homeless feeding charity walks there was a charity walk last Sunday which the mm. uh, members of the auxiliary organisation the elders Adult auxiliary yes, yeah. organisation raising lots and lots of money and they raised so much money it's amazing mm. by the grace of Allah Almighty so this is I think what makes the religion so beautiful that we're not just, you know, uh, sort of clerics just praying in the mosque and re- disregarding what's happening to our neighbours. Mm-hmm. It's a living religion that says we pray, we help people, we help humanity, we're bettering ourselves, we're always looking to improve our souls. So I think the thing is, um, talk about sacrificing as well, you know, people sacrifice so much time and when you look at the volunteers, all the people that you cannot hear on the radio at the Voice of Islam, all the people behind the scenes, mm. the production team, the researchers, all the other presenters, the of course the tech team that do a lot of work preparing our shows. So there's a lot of sacrifice from you know so many people. But um, if we, uh, if I may, we just move on to the second segment, mm. which we are talking about now is uh, entitled um, "Diet Coaches for Two-Year-Olds as Number of Obese Children Nearly Trebles in a Decade." Now. This is a particularly uh, interesting topic because, unfortunately, the trend nowadays you see that with with poor diets and with the lack of of suitable food mm. within schools, outside of the schools, and what's been offered at home, you know, if people always are seeming. You know, it's kind of a what's the expression? It's really a a rush society. People are just rushing mm. to go to work, mm. rushing to go home, rushing to do this and that. You know, mm. so even the meal times are not you know always. And, and, and I'm not just saying, you know, people. I'm talking about people in general. Doesn't matter what background they are. It's just a society we're in, isn't it? It's very rushed. You seem to be. We all seem to be rushing here. You, you know, that reminds me of a verse of the Holy Quran. Um, because the Holy Quran it says that Khulikal insanu min ajal. Mm. That uh, man, mm. he's been born with uh, with ajal. Ajal means uh, with the uh, quickness, with the uh, a, a sense of agile in 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 it. Right. And uh, it's it's interesting uh, this this uh, verse of the Holy Quran mm. because if we do observe human nature, uh, mm. we realize that <laughs> everyone's in their own bubble and everyone's in in a, in a rush. Yes. And uh, how true this beautiful verse is uh, that it highlights, um, you know, that really uh, man man has that sense of, uh, you know, he, he he's he's always running here and there. That, you know, you're, you're never... You're never really uh, relaxed, or you know, just to take a little breather. You know, it's always something going on. Exactly, and that's the thing. And you see that even when it comes to meal times, everything is is rushed. People are rushing to have a quick meal, so they then have all these, I don't know, proper processed meals and fast food. And speaking of meals, what did you have yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, my, my favorite topic. So. 
you know, because my family, we're, we're from, uh, originally from Mauritius, it's traditional that um, in uh, often Muslim households, they will have like a biryani. So it could be, it could be uh, uh, meat, it could be chicken, it could be fish, uh, depending on what, you know, what people's favorite tastes mm. uh, like. But um, yeah, we, our, our meal yesterday consisted of a really, really nice um, meat biryani which my, my, my loving uh, mother prepared, which was really delicious. Mm. It went down really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the afternoon, uh, later on, we, we um, also um, had a little barbecue as well because the weather was so beautiful, yeah. you know? And even though it was, you know, getting on in the evening, but, you know, we said, okay, let's, let's start the barbecue. And then there was just a nice fire. So we said, okay, let's start cooking some food. So that, that's why, you know, people... I people <laughs> And I mean, there was a forecast that it was going to rain, but mm. you know, the weather weather was really pleasant it was yesterday. It really nice. Like, it was beautiful. You know, you know, there was one thing I wanted to add uh, when you were talking about the Eid, His Holiness's Eid sermon, mm. uh, which he delivered yesterday. And uh, I just wanted to highlight the aspect I was mentioning earlier as yes. well, that, you know, Eid itself is not just about getting together and mm. maybe eating, but uh, it's it's about... You know that that sense of sacrifice, and then looking after the vulnerable as well. Excellent. Um, yes. I was mentioning that His Holiness he mentioned at one place that when the meat of the of the the goat was distributed at yes. one place of Africa, yes. there there was a family that said that we haven't had meat for three four years. Yes, yes, know? yes, exactly. Yes, I mean, when you when you you were saying that, you know, that's just what the first thought that came to my mind when you said that you know someone hadn't had meat for three years I, I said I was just thinking about ourselves how lucky we yeah. are to be fortunate enough to have it fairly often yeah. you know uh, and, and it's a blessing you know that we, we do have it but also I was just thinking Allah will bless those people as well who are you know um, without means he always looks after them yeah. but the thing is um, talking about sacrificing and not just having a nice meal on the day you know, one of the things we do as well, like I mentioned earlier, is that we also try and do charitable actions and um, you know, give, give gifts to our neighbours as well. And it's really interesting that point that you mentioned earlier about how the neighbours could be any person up to like 50, yeah. 50 miles away, yeah. 50 mile radius. Um, but it's, it's, it's good because, um, you know, that's what we, we try to do, give money to charity. And like in the build-up, you know, like we were talking about how um, people are sacrificing, making financial sacrifices, and in the build-up build to uh, Eid, um, what happened was there's one of the charities you were talking about, the NGO, mm. the non-government organization, Humanity First, and um, they were collecting funds to be able to buy meat and food to distribute around all parts of the world, mm. in Africa and other nations as well, mm. where there was a shortage and where people were in that sort of dire need, which is nice because then you know when you're having that meal that you're kind of sharing that meal with someone because part of your money is going towards charity. And that's what we did as a collective, all our family. We put money, a little bit of money uh, together, each of us, and then that was distributed, um, well, given to humanity first. So, mm. and, and, you know, that way you can... You can feel that everyone partakes in that celebration because it's a festival of sacrifices, but it's a celebration, a day of happiness as well. Uh, so, you know, around the globe, everyone somehow benefited from that. Uh, but just going back to this particular topic about 
obesity uh, in children, two-year-olds. This is the thing where we were talking about. This is, again, again, I like to mention this in the voice of somehow Islam is a very balanced religion. And when you go to any extreme to the left or the right, this is where there's there's problems with your health, problems in society, problems all over the place. Uh, but the gist of this particular story says that uh, diet coaches will be rolled out to thousands of children as young as two after the number of obese youngsters admitted to hospital almost trebled in a decade. Some 9,431 children with obesity were admitted to hospital in England in 2021 and 2022 compared to 3,370 in 2011-2012. I mean, look at those statistics, uh, Brother Tukir, it's massive. They're talking about, you know, 9,400 children, right? Uh, compared to what it, what it was in 2011, so 10 years before, 10 years ago, it was 3,000. So that means it's trebled, it's, it's incredible. Mm. And this is one of the things I think, unfortunately, that society you know um there's one famous uh, quotation or saying of our communities that a nation cannot reform itself without first reforming its youth so i think um it's up to the leaders in society in particular parents and people in, in authority like teachers um uh, companies that produce food and etc they need to be taking more care of all our youngsters, because we're all responsible for the youngsters. So if a child is is you know uh, suffering, it's I think on all uh, upon all of us to take a step forward. Absolutely, and uh, we we do have our first uh, speaker on this first guest. We we are joined today um, by Tegan Mills, who is a specialist uh, pediatric dietitian based in the UK, and uh, she also works for Nutrition and Co as well as the NHS. So good morning to you and thank you for joining us today at the Voice of Islam radio station. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So to start off, um, for the benefit of our listeners, can you please tell us a bit about yourself and the work you do? All right, perfect. So as mentioned, I'm a specialised paediatric dietitian. Uh, My day-to-day, I basically work within the Children's Hospital in an acute setting as well as special schools um, and then I, I also work for Nutrition and Co as a freelance paediatric dietitian so I work in multiple fields. Um, I'm most passionate about special needs, autism, cerebral palsy, gastro issues like constipation, celiac, IBS, IBD, growth faltering and at the moment we're seeing a, an influx of overweight and obesity um, so that's basically what I do. Yeah, and and I mean, following on from that, um, why do you think that uh, obesity now within the society is such an issue? Would would you think are some of the um, causes for that? I think at the moment we're seeing um, the post-pandemic issue. So the obesity levels rose quite dramatically with mm. the lockdown and everything and at the moment we're still not back to normal i think people are still in the habit of lockdown and we and aren't really focused on their health they just focus on getting back to normal um and sometimes normal can be quite inconvenient for families um in terms of healthy eating and things like that to add on to the normal day absolutely absolutely i mean 
the figures you know speak for themselves the you know they said that uh, 9431 children with obesity they were admitted to hospital in uh, in England in the year of 2021 to 22 so that itself is is a huge number um um how important do you think is a healthy diet especially especially when uh, it comes to children I think for any person healthy diet is extremely important just for normal functioning day to day um in children specifically it results in massive issues such as it, like an it, it impacts their growth and development and impacts their full potential as adults so we are creating children very obese and overweight overweight at such a young age and these children are going to become mm. adults one day so the issues we're having in children at the moment will be our future adults and it's not looking very positive at the moment is it absolutely absolutely do you think that uh, maybe because uh, due to the financial crisis as well maybe parents are finding it difficult to maybe uh, bring food to the table um, do you think that is also a a factor definitely well healthy food can sometimes be more expensive mm. um and on top of that um it's not convenient when pe- families are working quite a bit trying to make ends meet it's not convenient to have to go and make a full meal that requires a lot of effort so convenient meals are normally high in fat high in sugar low in fiber and low in nutrients that are essential in children's growth thank you so much um my colleague here also has a few questions so i'm just going to pass the mic on to him uh, good morning tigan Good morning. Uh so how can we raise awareness for such matters please? All right, so basically prevention is key. Treating obesity and overweight is really really difficult for children. Um because it's it's very much ingrained in them already. I think preventing a child from being overweight and obese and obese is quite important. There are factors such as um gene pools that pre- in like put children at risk of being overweight already but the issue is ensuring that the environment and the fa- and everything around them is surrounded by healthy eating so raising awareness starts with the family it's educating families and the public about healthy eating um and encouraging healthy habits for children everywhere including schools me- social media advertisements and everything um also what's quite important is working with organizations and charities um to conquer the field of advertising healthy eating and putting it out there that healthy eating is the best way of preventing preventing overweight and obesity uh i i think in particular you touched upon a very um um salient point there that is you know it's for you know uh, also people around them like like their parents so how can you know we promote better diets uh for parents so that they you know feed their children correctly i think it starts with the parents i think parents need to be aware what is healthy eating and parents need to start by being the example children are let are only watch and take an example of what healthy eating is by their parents at first um so i think parents need to start eating healthily themselves to encourage a healthy household um parents also need to make food more available that are healthy and convenient for children so i'm not encouraging 
um, all the bad foods in the cupboard that are easy to reach, making, probably making healthier foods easier and convenient. Um, I think also school support in terms of parents is quite helpful because of school meals and vending machines. Um, so sometimes parents can do all that they can, but school, school can be in the way of helping children. So I think working hand in hand with school and parents and understanding each other and supporting each other can be very helpful. You know, one of the um, concerns I think that we have with obesity, whether it's adults or children, is, the, is diabetes. Uh, yeah. How is that having an impact on, on, on children? Um, so di- diabetes is a major issue in terms of children, but you've also got so many other conditions. Um, I mean, just being obese and overweight could also result in social and educational exclusion. Um, it can re- result in psychological problems, um, obstructive sleep apnea. So it's not only diabetes as an issue, but all this whole group of issues that can result in children having to take multiple medications in a day um, and leave, lead a life that is quite restricted. And that's not what we want for our future future adults. Uh, Tegan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Thank you for um, coming and joining us on this uh, uh, program this morning and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. I wish you a great day and um, hope you have a great weekend as well. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Peace be upon you. Bye-bye. So that was uh, Tegan Mills, who is a specialised paediatric dietitian based in the UK. And uh, as she said earlier, she also works as a freelance for Nutrition & Co, as well as the NHS. So she has quite a vast amount of experience and knowledge with regards to this matter. No, absolutely. And, you know, I I definitely think that um, because of the financial crisis as well, it's very difficult to maybe have healthy foods, food food options, Mm. Um, especially, you know, if parents are busy as well, um, both of them are working, they can give less time to their children, you know, and if the the child, if if the child's got money, then he's just going to be spending more on fast food, on uh, chicken and chips and, you know, burgers, and that's not good for for the child, and it's only going to lead to more problems for the child and, and for the child's diet. Um, so cook, cooked food mm. is, all, I think, is always the best. To be honest, exactly. And the thing is, you know, when you look at the reasons why people do go to have fast fast food, it might be for a number of reasons. Like, say, for example, they might have skipped breakfast at home. Yeah. So they're going to school and then they're hungry. Obviously, when it gets to lunchtime, and then at lunchtime, the variety of things that are offered are not always good. And especially, there's one really key important point that you mentioned earlier, which is the cost of living crisis. Mm. So you, what you're finding now, unfortunately, schools are cutting back their budgets and then what they're doing, they're cutting the budgets of, of the lunch meals. Mm. So then that means people who are dependent on the, i.e. people get free school meals, mm. people who, you know, that might be, I mean, I'm talking about people with children, yeah. who's, that might be the only main meal of the day and it's, and it's not a, a proper meal. So it could be something cold, it could be just something quite uh, bland can be something that's not very tasteful mm. and especially when you talk about cutting the budgets of, of school meals mm. what's going to happen the child is not going to have a, a sufficient meal at school they're going to still going to feel hungry because as children they grow up so quickly they're running around a lot they burn a lot of energy and especially when they're studying you need a lot of uh, sustenance you need a lot of mm. uh, <laughs> you know things to keep you going right mm. so then what's going to happen is gonna, there's going to be a gap 
in their diet they're going to feel hungry and of course it's it's it's, it's you know the child's going to as we do we if we don't have a hot meal we'll feel like we haven't eaten properly as well mm. so what would they do the nearest thing they go get something that's hot and what is hot and what's close right is fast food outlets and mm. takeaways etc but then again some of these places we got you know really well you might eat something from there especially the ones that you know uh, some some of the other ones that are well known you might eat something from there but you're hungry again after half an hour mm. so then what happens if there's again another gap so they've they haven't had breakfast necessarily they go to school what's on offer is is um, not sufficient yeah right that's a polite way of putting it not sufficient but mm. it's really poor it's really poor and then they have they might if they're lucky if they have the, some money they might go and get some something f- some fast food mm. but then later on they they're still hungry and then if there's a household that's uh unfortunately you know yeah you know don't have don't have the means or because of cost of living crisis and this this is goes back to one of the points you mentioned earlier when you talk about the earlier uh, subject about uh, homelessness all these are factors people are trying to balance their budgets trying to keep the electricity on trying to keep the gas on trying to cut monies so the uh, cut money or the income that they're getting that they're getting they are getting uh, onto the priority bills so they might be for it might be for the rent they might be for the council tax service charges some petrol to put in their car these are things that are not luxuries so what do they do they, the parents or the people responsible in the household are not necessarily putting the money towards the food mm. and then of course what happens they say okay let's buy some cheaper food and unfortunately you see sometimes uh, or actually more often than not the quality of the cheaper food is unfortunately really bad and you know it'll mm. go off it'll expire mm. very very quickly mm. uh, and it's lots of uh, additives in there so there's there's like um, Tegan mentioned there's an onus on big corporations there's an onus on schools there's an onus on parents all of these are we're all like I uh, <coughs> alluded to earlier we are all responsible collectively for the betterment of our young people but that's the thing uh, if there's like a chain of events you're talking about the school you're talking about the home life you're talking about uh, cost of living crisis you're talking about, uh, you know, about um, society in general big corporations what is on offer is not always easily accessible you know yourself or we know each other right how things basic things in shops now have gone up so much unfortunately mm. so like Tegan mentioned those uh, access to those things are not always always easy absolutely so then what does that happen that has a you know, bad effect I think that one of the things or one of the remedies for that is that you know when you're looking at uh, the rights of people like you mentioned you know the, the rights of the neighbor you talked about earlier yeah. but as adults we also have to look after the rights of children children are a big part of our society they are our future generation and when you talk about uh, children that have problems with their health and their diet and lack of attention when they're younger that will have an effect on them later on in society and now what happens is because I don't know for whatever reason this this will it will definitely have an effect on their education as well because if someone can't concentrate because they're so tired from for lack of hunger mm. it's a sad situation but it, it does happen i know teachers uh, you know i know teachers who said that 
they go to schools that see children that have not eaten. Mm. And you know, it's it's just, for me, it's really um, sad to think that in 2023, you know, we should have flying cars by now, right? And we have really good uh, advances in technology, but the basics are not being adhered to. The basics of society is to look up. It should be. It isn't, but it should be to look after humanity. If if things as 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 our, our beloved caliph has said so many times, may Allah be Rahman, the fifth caliph of the global caliph of the Muslim community, has said so many times, when there's an uneven distribution of wealth in society, right? Then that's what you have problems. There's enough, you know, I know. We're not we're not we're not naive. There's enough wealth in this world for the world to be fine and I'm talking about not just in England or not just in the UK I'm talking about globally there's enough wealth in this world for everyone to live comfortably to mm. have the basic means but this is why again I, I always say I'm so happy and blessed and but then also we have that responsibility as a Muslim to look out for our, our people around us the people that have less than us and that we also are reminded again and again that we need to do charitable actions. And then when you look at the life of uh, such a beautiful example of the life of the uh, Holy Prophet by the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, how he was so kind to those around him, regardless of who the person was, whatever background they came mm. from. He, you know, he, he was a, a man who was a working man. Mm. He was an ordinary man, but he was such a special individual human being. He was a working man, so kind. He was preaching, you know, the, the the beautiful teachings of Islam. He was doing all his charitable actions, right? He's spending time with his family. And this is what I say to so many people. People say that, you know, the status of the Prophet is amazing and he's so high above. But, okay, that's his status. But he was there as, a, as an example for us as Muslims, right? And for the society uh, at large, uh, you know, uh, what, what a person should be doing. And by doing the things that he was doing, you will see that there's fairness, and that's what people loved about him. He was called the, the trustworthy one. You know, that's one of his um, characteristics. He was known for being kind, truthful, trustworthy, but also very charitable. You know, and, and he made no distinction between anyone. And this is why, again, talking about some of the beautiful things about or aspects of Islam, Islam talks about moderation and where we can, and of course. Uh, this cost of living crisis has hit so many people within society, but then there's so many things that uh, are there to help us, and, and and you know this is where we as Muslims put our trust in Allah that you know we overcome these challenges, and then we pray that everyone that is going through difficulties does overcome these challenges, and this is one of the things that we were uh, the His Holiness uh, was talking about yesterday in the um, Eid sermon, uh, but just as a last point. Um, talking about one of the beautiful aspects of Islam, we talk about fasting. And fasting is really good because it helps us balance mm. our health. And it's an improvement for our health. Um, Allah the Almighty says, you know, that fast uh, for him, right? But everything else we do day in, day out, we do for our own benefit. But even fasting, Allah the Almighty asks us to fast but ultimately who's benefiting from it? We are. Mm. Because our we, we try to uh, attain spiritual uh, improvement, trying to improve our faith, but at the same time, our f our health, and this is how beautiful God is. You know, He's looking after us, 
and uh, Dana. This is why I think again, when you when you can spread the beautiful teachings of Islam, when people say, "Oh, we don't like the Sharia law of Islam," but do you know what it means? The Sharia law. The Sharia law is such a Islamic law, Islamic jurisprudence. It's very fair. It means that everyone in society is treated with respect. That everyone gets their due rights. The person, uh, the the wife, the husband, the labourer, the wayfarer, the traveller, the orphan. There's so many people that benefit mm. in society with the beautiful teachings of Islam. This is why I, I, I recommend people who have not really delved into Islam have a look look at um, the different websites alislam.org um, or you can listen to previous shows at the Voice of Islam voiceofislam.co.uk where there are so many subjects that we touch upon and you can see all the benefits uh, that Islam has to offer but we're not saying this as you know as a, as a, as a preaching mechanism we're just saying no just delve yourself have a look at what the benefits uh, are um, and look at the beautiful teachings of Islam. Absolutely. Yeah. So on, on this topic as well, um, when we are looking at obesity, it says that NHS Chief Executive Amanda uh, Pritchard, she will be announcing that new clinics at the NHS uh, Confed Expo conference in Manchester. And uh, during her speech, she is expected to say that obesity can lead to a string of serious illness uh, such as cancer and diabetes and bringing a terrible human cost and also a real pressure on the NHS. And uh, she further said that doing nothing now is not an option. And so these new clinics will bring together a range of experts in one place providing intensive but sensitive physical and mental support for thousands of young people and their families. Uh, also, Professor Simon Kenny, uh, NHS England's National Clinical Director for Children and Long-Term People for, and, and Young People, said that living with uh, excess weight can cause problems affecting every organ system, resulting in long-term complications such as early death, type 2 diabetes, stroke, early joint replacement and mental health issues. And these clinics... Uh, hos- ho- holistic approach to trending, treating obesity and its causes uh, will help children and young people in a way uh, that uh, respect them and work with the specific factors for individual situation. And he said that we are committed to helping as many children and young people as possible with their physical and mental and uh, these additional clinics are an important uh, step in uh, helping vulnerable children and young people live healthier and happier lives. Um, so children who will qualify for treatment at uh, one of the NHS's complications from uh, Access Weight Clinic will have a body mass index BMI score above 99.6% uh, for children, their age and a completion of Access Weight and Health Minister Neil O'Brien, he said that we are determined to have childhood obesity by 2030 and these clinics are a great step forward to get some youngsters the support they need to manage the complications linked to obesity and a, uh, achieve a healthier uh, weight. Brother Tukir, you know, by the grace of Allah the Mighty, I can see that you're a person that looks after yourself and you're you know, looking very healthy. What do you do 
um, to stay healthy. Uh, do you have a balanced diet? Is there a routine that you follow? Uh, to, to be honest, my diet isn't really that great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're going to tell you look very healthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's mm. just uh, in in uh, Jamia Amdiya, UK, uh, in the university, mm. um, we not only were we taught to, uh, you know, l- look after uh, our, in terms of our education, or there was that moral upbringing as well, even in terms of our physical health. Right. There was an emphasis as well that we should daily uh, do some sort of exercise, yes. maybe play football or jogging, and and I guess it's it's been that atmosphere. Uh, you know, you you just try to take something with what you learn from yes. there, and then you just try to make it a part of your lives, really. Yes. And uh, I, I think that's what's really helped me. Um, that you know, even after finishing Jamia the UK, I've still tried to more or less. Uh, keep myself active maybe going out for jogs or runs or um, playing football um, in, in fact what's interesting uh, brother Khalid mm. is that if you look at some of the quotations of the uh, successors of the promised Messiah peace be upon you realize mm. how much they've emphasized in looking after physical health for example I have a few quotes yes. here with me from the third caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community in which he highlights cycling and how important it is to cycle um for example in uh, one of his speeches uh he says the third khalif hazm is nasir and may allah the almighty have uh, mercy on him he says at one place that why do you stand for buses and waste your time exercise become healthy and ride a bicycle i have said it before and i say it again today in a short time I want 100,000 MD cycles. An MD cycle is that which is ridden by an MD. And these 100,000 cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day. So <laughs> the third caliph said that he wanted 100,000 MD, uh, MDs to ride a bicycle. And they shouldn't be riding maybe one mile, he one or two miles. He wants them to ride 100 miles a day. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's the target he gave. You know, it's interesting you're talking about uh, cycling this because I remember uh, we're so blessed and fortunate to have so many uh, programs on our uh, TV channel, which is called MTA. Um, so if you go to, to online, go mta.tv. There's so many programs where our beloved Caliph, sorry, may Allah strike the insan, he has these um, uh, meetings, uh, what's known as mulakats, with so many different members of of the site of our uh, community uh, globally and i remember one in one particular <laughs> it was funny because he was talking to one particular gentleman who was a member of the uh, national committee uh, the auxiliary organization and he was talking to them about uh, this particular gentleman was one of the health and fitness secretaries or the sports secretary and and his beloved our beloved caliph said to him you know I think the gentleman was from Germany. He said to him, how, how much cycling do you do? Because you're the sports secretary. And he was saying, oh, I cycle a little bit. And he goes, you should be cycling more. And and you'll see even within our community, not long ago, there was um, many members took part in, a, a, I think it was London to Brighton mm. bike ride, mm. raising money for charity. And uh, I see, I, I will see your your status as well, brother, talking, you've done some running around, uh, you know, and... Uh, 
So, um, do you do cycling as well sometimes? Uh, no, I I yeah. don't do cycling personally, well, but uh, I just like to maybe go go in my jogging. jogging oh, yeah, that's very good. Go yeah. But I mean, it, it's good, you know. It, the thing is, you you don't only feel physically healthy, but yeah. also mentally, you're sharp as well. You 100%. know, you're it it. I I think it helps you in even in terms of your work life. Yes. Because yeah, if you're healthy, you can get a lot more work done as well. Um, I think exactly. It's like that expression goes: "Healthy body, healthy mind." Right? Isn't it? So, uh, I'm talking about hit that. <laughs> <laughs> something that I will apply in a good feeling you know but this is the thing we're always looking to improve I'm talking about myself always looking to improve ourselves morally spiritually but physically and health you know, uh, mentally as well healthily but and that's the thing people sometimes think oh um, you know you, you have to take a big step to make a difference no you take a small step make small differences so even walking this is something that I used to do a lot back in the day when I was young like yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's really good and because it's walking is free and but you your body's all being exercised and you're breathing and mentally it's nice it's nice to have a break so i think uh, this is something i'm slowly getting back into you know <laughs> i'm sure you did i'm sure you were you were a big sportsman back in the days oh, uh, i used to love football like, you know yeah i, I believe you 100% <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this is this is again you know oh, oh, yeah go on, sorry no no, uh, no. <laughs> i was just going to say you know see this is again Go back to the teachings of Islam, and we're talking about the Holy Quran. Actually, the Holy Quran teaches us is uh, it says that um, uh, in the name of Allah, most gracious, merciful. It says, "O children of Adam, look to your adornment at every time and place of worship, and eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely He does not love those who exceed the bounds." And I know you mentioned this earlier, but it's such a all-encompassing, beautiful. Um, quotation from the Holy Quran which um, you know talks about how by you know being balanced and by f- not going to excesses that one person can look after themselves absolutely and uh, you know eating and drinking there are natural habits of a man that are carried out in order to survive but even in uh, doing doing something as simple as eating one must exercise excellent judgment and in this verse that uh, Brother Khalid, you've just mentioned uh, Allah the Almighty here admonishes us to set certain limits. Um, while we should keep our physical uh, well-being intact, we should also maintain social order um, and bear in mind the true purpose of our lives. Um, and when done properly, our eating and abstinence from food should be an extension of our worship, as we are told that on. Those who believe and do good works, there shall be no sin, no sin for what they eat, provided they fear uh, God and believe and do good works. And again, fear God and believe, yet again, fear God and do good works. And Allah loves those who do good works. So you mentioned earlier, even uh, when it comes to fasting, you know, Muslims uh, throughout the year, you know, we have that month of Ramadan where we do fast for a month. And and I guess that itself has a great effect on our body when, you know, throughout the year when we are constantly eating, we are told uh, in that particular month that, you know, abstain from food and not just abstain, but uh, not to eat and drink until from dawn to dusk. Mm. And uh, I think that really helps as well, because just that sense of not eating in those hours mm. um 
I think it has a it has a profound effect on your mind as well. Exactly, and it's kind of a lockdown for your body, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I know, and as so many do, many Muslims around the world, that there's when it comes to the holy month of Ramadan, it's uh, uh, you know for a lot of Muslims the favorite time of the year because you're trying to uh, bring yourself spiritually closer to God Almighty, but at the same time, same time you're reaping those benefits of your body sort of uh, resetting itself. You know, it's detoxifying itself it's mending itself and we know when you're fasting right your your body is, is mending up uh, all those um, those cells you know in, in our bodies is improving our blood cell count etc there's so many benefits and we also feel um, happier more alert more motivated there's so many benefits to fasting, and that's why you know, again, 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 I said Islam is such a beautiful, all-encompassing, beautiful uh, religion that is very much needed. Absolutely, and I just wanted to read out a few narrations of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him as well when it comes to uh, eating. Uh, so the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is very careful against excess of food and uh, one of his companions Abu Huraira may Allah be pleased with him he narrated that the family of the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him he did not eat their, their fill for three successive days till he died and uh, also the Prophet's pious consort Hazrat Aisha peace be upon her reported that the Prophet died when when we had satisfied our hunger with two black things dates and water and he admonished his companions that a muslim eats in one intestine that is he is satisfied with a little food while an unbeliever he eats in seven intestines that means that he eats he eats a lot mm. and narrated by hazrat umar bin abi Salama, may Allah be pleased with him. He said that I was a boy under the care of Allah's apostle, uh, referring to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and my hand used to go around the dish while I was eating. So the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to me that, O oh boy, mention the name of Allah and eat with your right hand, and eat not of the dish, uh, eat not eat of the dish what is nearer to you. Mm. At the end of the meal, the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to pray that praise be to Allah who has satisfied our needs and quenched our thirst. Your our fa your favor cannot be uh, compensated or denied, nor can it be dispensed with, O oh, our Lord. So a very beautiful yes. example of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he explains that when you are eating as well, you should not exceed um, and eat with your right hand and eat which is which is front of you. Um, you know these basic manners, um, which which we have been taught by the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Yes. Um, and you know th there's another verse of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him where he also says that you mm. should eat one one third, you should drink one third, and then one third you should leave for for you know for your breathing for and you know you should just that's right and and mm. th that itself shows that you know when we do eat as well we should not excessively eat too much and we should they should islam teaches that you know there is moderation and every level and even when it comes to eating yes uh, we should adapt that level of moderation um, as that is good for us. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he went to this extent mm. that he said that 
uh, a believer when he eats one of his intestine uh, you know he eats very little but the unbelie the, the the unbeliever is the one who fills all of his seven in t- intestines yes. that he eats so much that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so i i think it, it that itself is uh, is a heat for all of us really that when we do eat as well uh try to keep it balanced and have definitely, moderation definitely and i think this is one of the things that i think um by sort of learning and developing and growing uh spiritually and you know sort of increasing our knowledge we learn about these things and we try to uh better ourselves and then these are small steps but the all these things have an effect on our faith as well because imagine you overeat you're making yourself ill and then you can't even concentrate in your prayer <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing you know this is this is uh you know it's been a very very uh lovely show very important topics um you know it's been really interesting and we you know we're fortunate enough to speak to Tegan Mills uh, earlier but um how have you found the show today brother Toki no no I really really enjoy it and uh, thank you for for joining us as well brother Velid I know you're not a friday presenter but uh, thank you for joining us on the friday morning so it was a pleasure to have you um and uh, we did want to thank also uh Tegan Mills who is a specialist who specialized in a pediatric dietitian based in the UK so thank you for joining us today uh, we also wanted to thank the producer Maliha Abdullah and uh, also her team Aman Mir Maha and Yusra and uh, not to forget our main man uh, brother Shafiq in the background uh, making sure the show runs smoothly so thank you to him as well and most importantly our listeners uh, we do hope that you've enjoyed the show without uh without your feedback you know we 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 cannot improve so do let us know uh do give your call or give your suggestions they they are always welcome and especially brother khalid banu thank you <laughs> <laughs> so much <laughs> once again for for uh, for being on the show this you know morning. it was uh, it was it's always a pleasure and always a joy and you know, it was a real sacrifice getting <laughs> getting into the studio this morning but you know by the grace of allah almighty it's always a pleasure to, to present with you brother tugir um like you said um you know, thank you to all those people who are involved in the making of today's show in the production of today's uh, show uh, we do hope you enjoy you know join us again on monday when the very next uh, breakfast show shall be airing uh, it's a live show it's a live interactive show please do give us a ring and get involved in the programs if you like to discuss anything else any other topics the number to ring as always is 0208 6877878 you can also also tweet us um, at voice of islam uk um but for now we you know we 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 wish uh, all of you a blessed friday may the peace and blessings of allah the almighty be upon all of you uh we hope you do join us there, there are so many shows on there brother talking on the voice of islam um our focus at the moment is on <laughs> breakfast show but of course there's the drive time show later on this afternoon there will of course be the friday sermon which yeah. will be broadcast live at 1 p.m. Yeah. this afternoon again on the voice of islam so you can find uh, about, out about all the shows on voiceofislam.co.uk. Uh, they are available on the DAB stations. So for now, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you, dear listeners.